Don't tell me I don't have the spirit of discipline. I <laughs> promise you I was getting ready to say, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I had to catch myself. <laughs> if that ain't a word, that the closer you are to Christ, the closer you should be to other people. And what does that say about our body language? Welcome to all God's children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity, race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. Season three of the Raceless Gospel Podcast is brought to you in part by the CBF Podcast. Since 2016, the CBF Podcast has delivered over 300 episodes of interviews with thinkers, authors, theologians, creatives, and practitioners for conversations that matter. These critical and innovative conversations have garnered weekly support from around the world. The CBF Podcast tries to cultivate healthy and diverse theological dialogue in a culture fraught with division. Stream and subscribe to the CBF Podcast on Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast platforms. Learn more at cbf.net slash podcasts. On today's podcast, I am joined by Aid San and Betty Wright-Riggins. Aid San is the mayor of Collegeville, Pennsylvania, and the co-executive director of New Baptist Covenant. Betty is an ordained American Baptist minister, a certified spiritual director, and co-founder of the American Baptist Spiritual Directors Network. On this episode, we discuss what could be on the tip of the North American church's tongue. But first, won't you pray for us? And do pray with me. Wordy God, whose tongue is never tied, who is never at a loss for words, who is always hovering and creating something new, calling out the unseen within our midst. Yes, you. You have a word for every person, place, and thing. We confess that your tongue does not tie us down, wrap us up, or wrap around us in ways that limit autonomy and mobility. In fact, you created us to live authentically, fully, and freely. Your words for each of us are not prejudicial, stereotypical, or limiting. Your vocabulary for us is ever-expanding. You have more to say about us than race and its progeny. May you get a word in edgewise. God, empower us to speak freely. Give us the words outside of categories and the confines of dueling and false binaries. What's the word for unity? for unconditional love, for unrestricted community, for the fullest expression of our human being. Give us the ears to hear what you are saying, and then say it again. Repeat it until it rings in our ears, until our souls vibrate, until it causes a rippling effect in our society. Turn this world and its racialized dichotomies upside down. And let it be said that the movement started when we pushed words off the tip of our tongues. Amen.
First, giving honor to God, who heads up the undivided kingdom that is coming, who issues invitations and words that we didn't see coming. I want to testify about the raceless gospel. Rooted in baptismal identity, it is an embodied ecclesiology that aims to drown out all competing identities. It is an expression of a creed recorded in Galatians chapter 3 and verses 27 and 28. Paul says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. One body. All members of each other. We are not identified by culture, class, or gender, but the word made flesh that transcends all descriptions. We are not members of a racialized body, but a spirit-filled one. Pentecostal people, multilingual, all equal, crossing cultures and no one off the list. Tongues of fire. We are baptized by water and the Spirit. We talk different. So, what's the word for human beings not living by the skin of their teeth, not according to the social coloring of skin? What's the word for people living outside of color-coded categories and without being colored in? What's the word for a message that declares there is no us and them, where nobody's out and everybody's in? because we're all next of kin. It's the raceless gospel, and it was Jesus's intent that the tip of our tongues be a diving board into a deeper and wider way of human being and belonging. I'm just here to coax it out of you. Come on, come on and say it. As a baptized believer, I can see that it is on the tip of your tongue. Our scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. And it reads this way in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. Religious freedom has been wiped too long. Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty is exploring this truth and reimagining its mission at the intersection of religious freedom and racial justice. Listen and learn with BJC. Visit bjconline.org slash resources for videos, discussion guides, podcasts, and more to help your congregation and community host meaningful conversations about faith, freedom, and justice. I'm Wanda Hardy Kidd. I'm a retired campus minister in my late 60s living in North Carolina. A couple of years ago, burdened by grief, I left home alone, a road trip, just me, my truck camper, and a broken spirit. 
but I found healing in my desert wanderings. This June, join me for the journey again. 30 episodes, a short one each day. Journey through the desert from me, Wanda Hardy Kid, and Good Faith Media. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. I want to introduce to some and present again to others, Aidsan Wright Riggins, who is an adjunct professor at Princeton Seminary, and Betty Wright Riggins, who is an adjunct faculty member at Eastern's School of Christian Ministry. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response, a sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as official members of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss the North American church's body language. So the episode is titled On the Tip of My Tongue. And the first question is this, in your estimation, what is the body language of the church in North America? What messages are Christ's members sending? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, when I, when I think about um, body language, I think about the fact that it's, it's very difficult for the body itself to lie. Um, it, it, it attempts sometimes to cover up, um, but um, uh, in itself, it, it, it expresses something that perhaps our words are not saying. Uh, Both Betty and I are, are fans of criminal minds and the behavioral, um, uh, I think it's assessment unit, uh, does a lot of study about body language, that people might be saying one thing, but, but their behavior says something altogether different. And I think that, that that's part of the, 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 um, the reality of the, church, the North American church, is that uh, we say one thing, um, but our body language um, says something else, regardless of how difficult it is to, to hide it. And I, and I think that, that, that part of our history has been such that the, the body language that the church expresses most is a, a body language that it is rooted in um, the perception of the priority of maleness, of whiteness, uh, and of autonomy. Uh, or of um, self-sufficiency or um, uh, self-mastery. Um, and, and as a result of that, I think it becomes very, very difficult for that church um, to overcome um, its prioritization of um, kind of an order of being in this country, that, that maleness um, is the standard, that whiteness is the standard, and, 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 and autonomy, which ultimately leads itself to isolation or dominance, uh, becomes, becomes the word in this country. So uh, I think those are some of the things that we are challenged by uh, in terms of our body language. We might say that, you know, um, Jesus loves the little children, uh, all the children of the world. Um, but uh, we, we particularly say, but he particularly loves male children. He loves white children. God loves white children. And God uh, loves those who uh, stand on their own two feet and don't need anybody uh, or are not in relationship to others. I'm reminded of um, when I was the uh, 
assistant principal working in Phoenixville, which was a really tough place to work. I was the first African-American woman to be an administrator principal in that district. And what I, what I did was I kept noticing eighth grade girls and I kept noticing how, how they were handling and moving without talking. Their bodies were moving in ways that were giving signals to the boys and they had no idea. So I began to have lunch with them and start talking to them about body language, start talking to them about what signals is their body given when their mouth is closed? What are, how they move, how they are inviting, giving invitations and how they are not given invitations and they had no idea their body was talking. I think that happens a lot within the church context. I think we talk a good game about Jesus, but our bodies indicate something really different. Um, I am reminded of when I was working as pastor in uh, New England of this all white church. Um, they asked me to come as pastor. I did not, I didn't know the church existed, so I, I didn't apply for it. But it was in the, the conversation with the elders at the church that they began to, they would ask me my question about, and what do you think about community? And what do you think about, you know? And I would do my thing. And it was interesting because where there was an openness the, lot, the night before at dinner, their arms were open, they were relaxed. In this context, in the church, we were sitting in upright chairs. We were not in a circle. We were sitting in theater style and I was at the head, not in the center, but at the head. And those, I became very aware who were the power brokers in the church simply by what the body was saying to me. And when I began to make a statement or a belief or how I do something, it was really interesting how people would move back in their chairs and put their backs to the back of the chair. And that was a signal to me. That was a signal of, okay. So I think many times we are sending messages that we are unaware, that we don't know we're sending, and they're not always positive to the people who are reading those messages. Yeah, when you were talking about girls and body language, I had I immediately thought of my Pentecostal holiness upbringing. <laughs> our bodies were immediately covered. <laughs> they told us that our bodies signaled temptation before mm -hmm. we hit puberty, and how troubling, how disturbing, mm -hmm. how disgusting it was for me to have to think about the fact that someone in this room might see me yeah. as um, as sexually available. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm so glad that we are moving the conversation along where we hold men responsible because if you can if you can undo a person by uncovering your needs, we have to talk a, a bit about then there's a problem there. We need to talk about self-discipline and self-control and not blame shifting. And so I'm so glad that the, the church is having the conversation about 
uh, blaming women uh, yeah. for the shortcomings of men, but letting them take responsibility, take the lead on accountability. Uh, but, so I'm glad that you brought that up. And, and I think that that's that I think that that's all rooted, too, in, in terms of um, this Western notion that some uh, some want to, 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 to baptize as Christian, um, that um, uh, it seems strange to me that we even conceptualize it this way, but but maleness is rooted in, in, in spirituality and femaleness is, is rooted in um, um, the flesh. And carnality. Uh, carnality, Sexuality. exactly. And so yeah. uh, in, any, anything that, that, um, that uh, 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 is in the realm of um, uh, carnality, women, um, is, 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 is automatically bad or evil. And, 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 and it is uh, kind of like Skip Wilson used to always say, uh, the devil made me do it. Uh-huh. That it, 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 it. And the devil, of course, is the devil in the blue dress yeah. uh, that, that mm-hmm. did that as opposed to, to, to uh, the inclinations uh, or the, uh, the uh, desires of men. You know, what's interesting, um, that very point is really raised initially in Yolanda Pierce's new book. In my grandmother's house. Yes. She was raised um, Pentecostal holiness. She talks a great deal about how you've got to dress and what that means. And also shifts and talks about what Aitzan just talked about in terms of um, the whole sexuality piece and how that is so geared within the... The, the foundations of the church. We have to be aware of the flesh. Man, is that good? Uh, let's let's. I could stay right there. Yeah. Uh, but but we need to we need to address segregation. Mm. Uh, so segregated on Sunday mornings. What are the challenges to the embodiment of a desegregated sacred space? What can we say with our bodies to change or perhaps challenge this reality? Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, I think that um, Jesus certainly, um, through his relationship uh, with uh, with with all manner of persons that were on the margin, uh, really said that relationships uh, with 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 all was important. And then Paul comes around and then talks about how uh, what what happens in Christ and breaking down uh, the barriers uh, between um, slave and free and men and women. Um, uh, citizens and non-citizens and so forth, that, that I think that part of, uh, of, of, of our chat, which continues to be our challenge um, in the church in North America is, you know, breaking down those dividing walls. Um, I happen to believe, I belong to, or Betty and I happen to belong to American Baptist Churches USA, which uh, is purportedly one of the most diverse um, um, Protestant denominations and certainly one of the most diverse Baptist entities of the 70, 57 different varieties that there are. And we pride ourselves in not having a particular majority, uh, having any particular majority in the denomination. Uh, but the only place we really do see that inclusivity and that diversity are at our annual meetings of the big conferences um, that we still fail to, to mirror that on the ground uh, in terms of um, of our, our own particular individual churches. And although I still maintain a maintain being a proponent of 
being where one feels comfortable, um, that, that might have to do with theology, it may have to do with culture and, and a number of other, other things. All too often, our priorities become our culture. Our um, doctrine becomes our priority. Our, uh, all of those things that ultimately keeps those dividing walls up. Um, so the, a real big challenge to us is, is, is how do we, for me, I think, how do we intentionally uh, get out of our comfort zones um, and saying that our even in our local church, our, our churches need to be a demonstration project of the kingdom of God, uh, that that how we look and, and how we relate to each other uh, needs to be um, be engaged in that way. And then I'll just, I'll just I'll stop with this. Our local church is interesting, has uh, as one of its slogans, um, um, a multi, we call ourselves a multicultural church. Um, now, for us, multicultural means, you know, 98% Black and 2% other. Um, but, but where we're on the road to right now that, I, that, I, that I'm more, most excited about is not so much in terms of the inclusivity uh, on Sunday morning, but rather how we're beginning to say our church is located in this neighborhood and who is in this neighborhood do we need to be serving, that we need to be connected to, whether those people are in church on Sunday morning or not. We're not just trying to minister to black folks. We're not just trying to minister to those that look like us, but rather we're saying everything that was within a two, three mile radius of this congregation, which happens to be predominantly white, by the way, which is interesting, needs to be um, the place in which we're serving and reaching out and caring about. I think visual images are really important. If we look at, if we're talking about being the kingdom of God and the images that we see of who Jesus is, is white and blue-eyed, then where is the inclusivity in that? And it is so prevalent in black churches. <laughs> until we don't even notice it. And that imaging is profoundly important because what it does, it gets on the inside of us and then it informs our theology. And we have no idea. We think that we are not, but we are perpetuating segregation, white supremacy, and all those things and it is the image. I remember putting up in the, in the foyer of the church I served a, um, a picture, a print of the universal Christ. So when you walk in where normally they would have the typical, there was a large print and it was framed of the universal Christ. And that Christ, that picture was different colors. You know, it was slashed with different colors, different ethnicities. Hair was different on one side, different in the top. That was a profound movement and for them, radical. Because for them, it was, well, where's Jesus? I was asked, well, what happened to Jesus? 
Images are profoundly important. And we have to start thinking about what is it that we are putting up? What is it that we're raising that keeps perpetuating the exclusivity and does not open to inclusivity? That's so well said. I think the racializing of Jesus and his gospel has been one of the first things that the North American church has ever done uh, to him. Mm-hmm. Still, we're called to this ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So why can't the members of Christ's body come together? What is getting in the way of our natural or spiritual connection and preventing us from answering Jesus' prayer for unity? I think that some of the things that are, that are getting in, in the way for, for our, our, our church, our contemporary church, is our um, focusing on religion uh, and ritual um, on rules, um, and, 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 and as opposed to thinking about um, what I think are, are closer to the gospel, a relationships, community, communion, um, that, that, um, that, that when, we, when we elevate, um, as important as they are, when we elevate uh, our cultural perspectives, when we elevate um, our um, tradition and our rules uh, in our particular uh, setting uh, over against um, what I believe to be the core of the gospel. I mean, when you think about Jesus, 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 uh, Jesus was 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 in 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 in, in his earthly ministry uh, was focused always on relationships and those on, on Mars. You, you see that with Jesus, it was, it was about connecting with people with disabilities, uh, people that, uh, um, women, uh, the tax collectors, uh, zealots, uh, homeless folks, uh, uh, Samaritans. Je- Jesus was focused on, on all of that. And I think that part of um, our comfort zone um, uh, and and being so connected to the religion, um, and I, and I don't want to discount it so easily, but 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 I think it is the, the religion that we inherited, uh, the rules that we inherited. Uh, uh, I mean, we began this, we began our, some of our conversations just thinking about our own our own our own particular traditions. You know, whether it be Baptist, or Pentecostal, or Holiness, a Methodist, a Catholic. Uh, well, well, the fact of the matter is, and I'm, and I'm grateful that many of those walls are beginning to, 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 to fall down, um, um, but, but at the end of the day, um, it is about who we are in Christ and, and who and what we are willing uh, to accomplish or connect with each other um, outside of um, our labels and, and our religiosity. That gets at what we mean when we say community that gets at what, what was Jesus talking about when he talked about community? Um, and, and how is what Jesus is talking about and how that, those images are portrayed and what we mean by community. And there's a disconnect in a lot of that. And so I think we also negate, when we talk about the Trinity, um, we negate that that's a community. It's not one, it's a community. And that we who are called um, 
into the gospel of good news, we are called to be in community. And that community, it's supposed to be multifaceted. It is not supposed to be um, void of any diversity. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is that the church has decided what is diversity. I mean, we, we have parsed diversity to be real narrow. It, in many instances, it is not wide. It is everything except, and then we can click off those who are going to hell, right? They can't be in our community. So I think I'm really hopeful that there would be much more connecting between what the Trinity is, community, and mm. we are called to be in community, which is inclusive, regardless of what the labels are. And remember that all of us are saved by grace, not some of us, but all of us. What a day it will be when we realize that God is not a denominational deity. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not Methodist. I'm just going to mess this up, Baptist, Pentecostal, or holiness. What a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else, what do we need to say as the body of Christ and to each other that we haven't said before to address the wounds of race and its progeny? Yeah. Uh, what do we need to say to each other? Other than I hate you, you hate me. <laughs> yeah. We all hate each other. Mm-hmm. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 reminded, uh, Rem Thomas, of um, when Jesus fed either the five thousand or the four thousand, um, and multiplied the fish and the loaves, handful of fish and a handful of loaves, and and fed uh, the multitude, which which in and itself was a miracle. But the but the real miracle to me. Um, are words that that Jesus said at the conclusion of, of feeding all of those folks when he told his disciples to go back and gather up the fragments. He said, gather up the fragments so that nothing should be lost. Um, I, I think that one of the things we need to, to say uh, to each other is... Um, is the recognition that that we are all fragments. Um, We're all pieces of the loaf, the body. We're all um, a portion of the cup. Um, And um, the the task for us ultimately is, 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 is one of understanding that it is, it is through the gathering of the fragments that we become the body and each part of the body uh, is important and, and valuable. Um, I, I think we need to say, I think we need to say to each other that we belong together. I keep thinking about when I was a kid, um, and I don't know if they, they still say these words to each other, but when I was, when I was a child in church, uh, we always used to talk about, did you belong to the church? And I thought that was an interesting, do you belong to a church? Um, 
And it wasn't, it, it wasn't just, are you a member, a member in the sense of a name on the roll, but do you belong? Uh, my mentor, Henry, our mentor, Henry and Ellen Mitchell, uh, we used to spend a lot of ta- time with them. And I can remember tra- and traveling with them. They'd meet people on the road and they would always ask the question, what church do you belong to? Um, and it wasn't talking about, it wasn't really just talking about where is your name on a row somewhere, but are you, a, are you a part of the family? And, 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 and for me, the, 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 the issue is um, identifying with the knowing that I am, you are, we are fragments and we belong together. And it is in, 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 in the belonging and in belonging to Christ, we belong to each other. Uh, a friend of mine uh, uh, used to uh, always reflect upon that passage in Revelation as they were gathered around the throne. And she would always say, uh, the closer we are to Christ, the closer we are to, to each other. Um, that, that as we are, as, as, and that's where it ought to be, that the closer we are to Christ, the more we are drawn we are drawn to each other and 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 with if we are not drawn to each other um as we're drawn to Christ then we're perhaps we're not really being drawn to Christ because where, where wherever Christ draws people all people it automatically draws them close to each other and 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 brings them to the recognition that that we are all fragments we're all broken and we all belong to each other now, y'all can't see me, but my I have lifted my hands three times already. I was getting ready to give my life to Christ all over again when you said, do you have a church home? Because that's what say to us. You know, we, do, you have a, do, you, you know, do you belong to a church you home? Do you have a church yeah. home? That's what I have to say. My Lord, can I see? You just snuck off over into preaching. And I, I just realized, you know, we're not at church. I was getting ready to stand up and slap your back. It took all of my Holy Ghost to hold me back. Don't tell me I don't have the spirit of discipline. I promise you I was getting ready to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I had to catch myself. If that ain't a word, that the closer you are to Christ, the closer you should be to other people. And what does that say about our body language? And please. And, 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 you know, and, 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 and that's, and that's, and that's it, you know, so, so our body language oftentimes is, you know, we, we, we fold our arms or we cross yes. our legs. And when we, when we fold our arms and cross our legs, uh, we automatically know that you closed off, you know, when, when in high school, when I go, go to ask, ask the girls to dance, if they were, if they were hugging the walls and looking down, it meant, don't you ask me nothing. <laughs> Don't you ask me <laughs> to the dance floor, you know? So, so in our body language, uh, it, 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 it needs to be one of openness that says, I welcome you. I am hospitable to you. I, and, 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 and I, and I dare to be vulnerable enough um, to engage with you or to be engaged by you. You know, co-author Riley, uh, released this book called This Here Flesh. And in it, she's talking exactly, um, framed differently, but talking exactly about the need for to belong and the need for place. Mm-hmm. That, that, that when, when God called 
Israel to come out of Egypt, God called Israel to a place. When God called Abraham, God called Abraham, said to a place that I will, a place. Come on, Reverend Betty. Oh. Not just to be wandering around. So, so this sense of belonging goes right back to community, which goes right back to um, a, a being part of something. Your church home, I remember that when I was a kid, you know, they would say, but this is my church home. And it's interesting. They didn't say church house. They said home because there was something about home for we as black folk that meant something. You know, you can go to so-and-so's house and not feel like you were at home, but the church was a community where one belonged and you felt like home. You were relatives to those who were in that community. The other thing that, that, that comes to mind is I'm wondering about, you know, we used to say, we used to talk about being saved. Um, what, what would it be if we talked about being safe? Mm. What, what might it mean if we talked about Jesus um, rescue? What, what might that be? How might that stir something different in the hearts and minds of folk? It, in a world that is so chaotic, but there's safety here. You know, we sing these songs of, of God will take care of you, right? Leaning on the everlasting arms. You know, those are hymns of safety. And I really wonder how much more resonant the life in the kingdom now would be for folk, the realization of that would be for folk if we talked about safety. Mm -hmm. Lord have mercy. The doors of the church are open. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus and the pardoning of your sins, you can extend your, let me stop. Lord have, isn't that a word though? Mm. Because, because if your body doesn't feel safe, and it doesn't feel like it has a place to belong. That's right. And you know, that's interesting that even the word we're talking about belong mm -hmm. includes the word long or longing. Longing. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 my God, that's mm -hmm. that's that I think that's what we all yearn for. We long for we long for home. We long for safety. We long for um being accepted. I remember one of the first books I read, I uh, can't remember the author, but when I was in seminary, one of the first books I, I read was by a Catholic priest. And, and, and one of the phrases in that, um, that book said, uh, the, it raised the question, why am I afraid to tell you who I am? And, and um, the answer to that question, why am I afraid to tell you who I am, was if I tell you who I am, you may not accept me and who I am is all I have. And, 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 and if, and if going back to what I was saying earlier, and if amnes, if being is defined by skin color, if amnes is being is defined by gender, if amnes 
and being is defined by self-sufficiency or autonomy. Um, and one lacks uh, or is not in, 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 that, in that, that home, um, that is all you have and you're, you're set up for, for rejection. And so, so I think our, our task is to identify and to tap into that longing, that place, that longing for home, for safety, um, being a part of, 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 of home, God's home. Um, that's really what the kingdom of God means, isn't it? Uh, God's home. When, 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 when uh, Jesus went pronouncing the, the kingdom or the kingdom of God, uh, it is uh, the reign of God's. Uh, it, it is God's reign where we are, yeah. that we, we are of, are belonging uh, to that, that, that kingdom, that family, that economy, that, so, that, that social arrangement. Um, and that's, that's what we're called to engage in and call people to. You know, Augustine, I think it was Augustine who said that our souls are restless uh -huh. until we find our rest in you. And that's that belonging stuff. That's that home stuff. That there is a yearning, a longing to be, and we're looking in all the wrong places, people. Yeah. But but doesn't that go back to, though, to back to what, what you were saying a little earlier, though, uh, around um, even this, um, how we, we this, this binary um, uh, or dualistic uh, split between um, mind and body, male and female. Mm -hmm. So even even as we're talking now, I'm, I'm a, mm -hmm. I am aware, mm -hmm. I am aware of how feminist or how womanist even that term belonging and longing sounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and in spite of... Mm -hmm. In spite of my education, in spite of my growing, uh, I still can sense in me this restlessness or this fear of belonging, of, of, of being connected, because it, 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 it is being absorbed into, mm -hmm. it is being penetrated, it is being possessed by, mm -hmm. it is being engaged. Um, but all of that um, is, 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 is an imposed cultural uh, perspective that makes it difficult for us to, um, um, as men, uh, as males, um, um, so, so I'm, I'm much more comfortable serving leading than belonging mm. because it reinforces yeah that whole notion of control that's yes. right I control right. who i serve where right. i serve right. when i serve but if you get in touch with my longing jesus then you've got a part of my heart that i can't control and that mm. makes me feel really nervous mm. so it takes vulnerability it takes vulnerability. Uh, and that's you, what Christ is talking about is vulnerability. You know that Reverend Betty is preaching when she says something like, I think it was St. Augustine. <laughs> Friends, that's a preacher trick. 
You better believe she know it was St. Augustine. I think it was John Calvin who said, like when they, they start out with that, they get ready to hit you. They get ready to body slam you. But no, seriously, uh, to your point, John Calvin did say uh, something along the lines of there's no deep knowing of God mm-hmm. without a deep knowing of self. Mm-hmm. There's no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God and the, the interplay of that. And I yeah. wish the church would dive deeply into that, that our sense of being and belonging and authenticity is rooted in our sense of knowing who we are without mm. adding anything to it. Yeah. Just that God said you are good and let that stand alone. Mm-hmm. But so often we don't, we need more than that for good standing in the community. And I think yeah. we, we've done ourselves a great disservice. Last question, my dear brother, uh, Reverend William Lamar, he's a pastor at Metropolitan Baptist Church, um, Metropolitan AME Church, excuse me, in Washington, DC. Uh, he says there's, he said to me, new words, new worlds. So what's the word for this undivided kingdom that is coming? Mm. What is on the tip of our tongues? We just don't have the courage to say it. I, I think for, for me, um, and, and I think we've said some of these words. Um, for me, it, 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 is, it is still about community and communion and connection. Um, we, we, we fight it, we fight it so much. Um, I mean, just, just, just even in terms of the world situation today, it's, it's amazing. We, we're trying to figure out what to do with this, with this uh, uh, Russian-Ukrainian uh, situation. Um, um, and, you know, I got relatives that never been out of South Central Los Angeles. They don't know where, they, where the heck <laughs> Russia or Ukraine is. But the reality is, uh, as King said, we are we're we are clothed uh, in a single garment um, and, and, and we are all connected. Um, so so if, 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 if right now we stand on the verge of a possible world war, we're trying to figure out how to. How to, how to engage, but at the same time, not be engaged because we know how connected we are even with that. And in terms of, of, of what we, who we are as, as, as a people in church, it's the same thing. I think that, that, that we are not going to find wholeness until we acknowledge that we are clothed in a single garment of destiny, that we are, we are connected uh, to each other. We, we are sisters and brothers. Uh, we are co-created. Um, and, and, and I think that we've just got to acknowledge that otherwise we, 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 we are at our own peril. I think, uh, I think using the word heart, hmm. we don't use heart much. Um, and it is the connection of our head and our heart is what Jesus was all about. So, you know, Jesus says where your heart is, mm. is where your treasure is. And so I'm not so sure that we as a the collective body of Christ have spent time really delving into heart, our hearts. Repentance is the change of our hearts. Loving our our brother and our sister is a change of our hearts. And if we don't do that, if we can't even talk about what that means, not superficially, 
But on a deeper level, then we don't end up in the same place we've always been. And so I really do, I think a conversation that's ongoing that talks about the facets of the gospel and how that changes our hearts will be a way in which then we can really hang together with the spirit of God in community. Then we'll be able to be more inclusive because then I'm not looking at you outside. You know, what did, what did Paul say? Um, we no longer view one another from an outward point of view, but an inward, he's talking about our hearts. Mm. I, I think that might be a way, a language that's familiar that we just, we dismiss it. And I think it's powerful. What a word and what a time. <laughs> what a time. Well, I feel like I'm in church for Hi, real. Reverend. Turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Tell your neighbor. <laughs> Slap your neighbor. High five. I'm telling you right now, I'm deeply grateful for the both of you and for your ministry. Thank you so much for making time for this podcast. Thank you so much. I we joy. appreciate you. I enjoy to be with you. Believe in what you're doing. I want to thank our guests. Aid San and Betty Wright Riggins, and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus, who did not hold his tongue or hold back his demonstration of love for everyone. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 3 is brought to you by Good Faith Media. You can support our work and witness by making a tax-deductible contribution to Good Faith Media at goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep watching our body language. Head over to our Fellowship Hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gospel Pod on Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. This concludes season three of the podcast, but we're still looking at the North American church's body language. Visit our website at goodfaithmedia.org backslash TRGI to learn more about the Raceless Gospel Initiative. Season three of the Raceless Gospel podcast is brought to you in part by the CBF podcast. Since 2016, the CBF podcast has delivered over 300 episodes of interviews with thinkers, authors, theologians, creatives, and practitioners for conversations that matter. These critical and innovative conversations have garnered weekly support from around the world. The CBF podcast tries to cultivate healthy and diverse theological dialogue in a culture fraught with division. Stream and subscribe to the CBF podcast on Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast platforms. Learn more at cbf.net slash podcasts.